Hello and welcome to the Real World Negotiating Podcast. I'm David and my colleague is Gareth. Uh, I'm just going to kick it straight off today with the topic of do posh people make good negotiators? I don't know, David. I think it depends what we mean uh, by somebody being posh. I mean, I think in our country we are um, unusually obsessed with social class and how that impacts different elements of our national life. But, you know, when I think about, you know, does somebody's social class um, make them a good negotiator or not? I don't know. Is there, well, I guess there's two questions that raise themselves. What does it mean to be posh? How do I know if someone is? And secondly, do I care? How does that impact how they um, how they relate um, to me? I mean, what, 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 what do you think? Do you think social class is important in terms of how we interact in business? Do people... Do people notice? Personally, I don't think it's it's that important. I think where it's important is where you have differences between two people. Um, so it's not necessarily because someone is posh and someone's not posh. Um, but th- there's no doubt that uh, different p- people from different backgrounds or different perspectives will interact with each other differently. Uh, and often... Um, particularly where we're trying to get something out of somebody. Yeah, it's scientifically proven that the more like we are and the more they like us and see themselves in us, the easier it is to, to strike up a rapport. Okay. So this is interesting. I think, I think there's, there's two themes at play when it comes to social class. I think the first one, um, David, is exactly what you say. It's, it's about likability and it's about um, establishing rapport with the other side and so you know if I think you're you know particularly upper class or working class you know you might accentuate certain things about you and the personal brand and the you know kind of the image that you put out there I think there's also something here the second piece touches on what we we, we were talking about on our podcast the other day around we, we were talking about alpha males but I, I think also you know kind of when we are in situations or when some people feel the need when they're having difficult conversations to put out a more confrontational um, image and I think sometimes you know I can I can think back to interactions I've had where perhaps social class has been you know a part of the personal brand that someone is developing to help them do that whether you know kind of they want to come over as being intimidatingly posh or maybe a bit more a bit more rough and tough than maybe they actually are in the real world Mm. So it's perhaps weaponising class, um, <laughs> weaponising class, which is <laughs> probably an area we don't want to go into in, in any great detail. Um, I feel but, with this whole podcast, David, we're start, we're treading on some very very thin ice in terms of the kind of comments and reviews we can get. <laughs> we are. This is our clickbait podcast. Lots of, lots of protests as long as we don't get cancelled. Um, but I think it, it's an interesting area. It, in that some people will play on certain personalities in order to get an advantage or to, to use it as an advantage. Um, one one area where things certainly I've found in my working career, if if if, if we if we just look at yeah you know, what what we might define as posh people or generally well to do people or people who come from what you, what you might call upper class backgrounds are really easy to deal with and really relaxed and comfortable in who they are perhaps the issue or the the more difficult people are the um 
the highest and bucket types of the world who want to uh, there's a reference that you probably have to be about 45 to get um, the people who are striving to be what they perceive as is you know better than than they 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 are which i think is a ludicrous concept in itself because we all are who we are but perhaps they they become difficult to deal with because they're trying to be something that they're not and, and we see that all over the place and that they, they there's that inner conflict isn't there between i've got to project myself in a certain way but that then makes that undermines my authenticity which then makes me more difficult to deal with yeah authenticity you've, you've said it david it's incredibly important actually i think whether we're talking about negotiation or any other business interaction when we can bring our whole selves to the table things go a lot a lot more smoothly a lot more smoothly for us and i think you you mentioned that the the high since bucket high since bouquet thing of of people being something they're not or putting out an image uh, that isn't their true selves particularly when it comes to to social classes and, and actually i i think this is an issue you know kind of for a lot of people i mean hopefully it resolves as as we get as we get older but you know kind of I, if, if i if i think about interactions i've had with people i can certainly but not so much your high sense bucket types of you know people trying to you know come over as being perhaps more posh or sophisticated um than they are but i can certainly think of lots and lots of interactions with people who have have played up a a more working class image of themselves than i think is probably authentic and and true of how they grew up and you know often i think that the motivation is to you know send out a message about their brand that you know they're quite tough they're quite gritty and you know they're not to be you know they're not to be messed with and i've seen it done in such a way quite a few times it's actually been quite awkward to be around because it's come over as as fairly inauthentic and almost like you don't want to embarrass the person by calling them on it i don't know if that's something that you know you've you know you've seen in your working life all the time um I certainly and I certainly wouldn't call them on them on it because that's <laughs> that's not going to improve negotiation because negotiation is all about striking a rapport rather than falling out with people <laughs> in the first instance. But it kind of brings me back to you mentioned at the start personal brand and I think it's really important going into a well in life in general but also going into a negotiation that we think about well what sort of image am I portraying and what sort of image do I want to portray? Um, and in circumstance, circun- certain circumstances, we'll want to portray a slightly different image depending on who we're, we're dealing with. But there is a risk, I think. Um, the further that image we're trying to portray is away from who we naturally are, we lose that degree of authenticity. So, for, for, for example, um, you know, it, it, if you if you go into a client that always wears a suit and tie, as you're trying to get to know them or or, or deal with them as equals, uh, it's probably worth putting a suit and tie on at least until they get to know who you are. But that that's actually quite cosmetic, and we use dress sense. You know, it, it's a good idea to dress according to the circumstances. It's I suppose it's a cultural and social kind of norm. But if we start behaving differently, you know, dress is one thing. But if we start putting on a 
fake posh accent just because we want to get on with somebody who has that kind of accent. I think it's probably only going to end one way and that's in tears. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think when we try and go down the route of fake accents, that definitely that definitely is the case. But I, I think there are subtleties here, though, aren't they? And I think, I think in our culture, you know, social class does form quite an important part of you know how we see ourselves and we have a habit in the uk rightly or wrongly of 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 putting ourselves into into buckets so the the bbc did a um uh, they had a tool online i think it was around 2014-15 where you know you could it would ask you questions about yourself and it put you into one of seven different uh, types of social class and millions of people were kind of motivated and interested to to fill it out so it is something that engages us and, and interests us so I think there's a cosmetic element around as you say how we dress how we connect with people um, but actually I think there are there are ways that are um, there, are, there are things around our interests which was something that was in that that was in that survey and actually I think when we connect with people in business um and when we're negotiating with people that, you know, actually class does come into play. So, you know, things like, I mean, one thing I'll throw out there, um, skiing, um, you know, are, if, oh, a question, are, are you posh if you go skiing? I mean, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't ski and I've been on the periphery of skiing conversations. And I've, you know, earlier in my career, I used to think of ways that I might... Um, I might try and join such conversations, but I found it a hard thing to do without feeling that my authenticity was slipping. And I've seen other people get that balance wrong. I don't know if that's that's relatable at all. Uh, well, I've never been skiing, um, but whenever I come up with come um, into contact with people who are big into skiing and I want to score a point, I will generally say I walk in the mountains. I don't slide down them on a couple of bits of wood, which is. <laughs> I like that. A bit. bit. Uh, If you want to play the environmental card, and we're about to lose all our skiing listeners here, um, it's not particularly environmentally friendly either. Um, But uh, just just to get off that, and by the way, we all love skiing listeners. Um, I remember working uh, in an office once, and I won't name I won't name any names. but somebody once said to me, and I was wearing a particularly dodgy set of shoes at this point, um, you can tell an awful lot about a person by the shoes they wear. <laughs> um, and just reflecting on that, um, but, and I was wearing these, these dodgy platform shoes because I just hurt my back. So, uh, But I didn't say anything. Um, but I remember the person who said it to me was very much a someone who was trying to maybe overreach their... <laughs> background and be somebody who there wasn't because I can't imagine anyone from a uh, very well-to-do background commenting on shoes because a they wouldn't notice <laughs> and b the chances are they've got the scruffiest shoes going so was it so was the intent here to almost make you feel uncomfortable and I mean, however you describe it the message was that they were a a person of means or they had certain standards that somehow because of the shoes you were wearing you didn't quite come up to that and therefore you were going to feel a little bit more uncomfortable in the meeting you were having was that, was that I it? think it was a it was an attempt to score a point um, but by somebody who wanted to feel superior but perhaps didn't because if you did, if you were naturally superior, you wouldn't feel the need to say <laughs> such a silly thing. 
Um, but anyway, and you wouldn't actually think you were naturally superior. It's the, the dichotomy of this, isn't it? If you are, a, you know, an amazing kind of world beating person, um, it's not something you're going to say. It's a bit like we said in, in a previous podcast. If you go around saying you're a really good negotiator, the chances are you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And it's interesting that that person trying to point score in that way and like David you said that you think that people who are you know let's say genuinely are to the manner born and you know they, they you know kind of you know have a let's say an aristocratic background your experience has been actually when you deal with these folks um they maybe that's them that's their authentic self and therefore they they're okay to deal with the the, the nicest people I, I remember um and again no names but um I dealt with someone who was the chief executive of Ascot Racing, which is about as posh as you can get. For those who don't know, Ascot's owned by the Queen. Uh, and so you you have to have a certain standing to be involved. Certainly you used to many years ago when I, when I dealt with them. Uh, and I remember going into a negotiation with this guy who I was handily told just beforehand used to be head of the SAS... <laughs> So not only is he one of the poshest people you've ever met, he's kind of, he well, could kill me with his little finger. <laughs> so I went in armed. Um, my boss at the time said, go and, go and get some more money out of him. The, the offer's not high enough. I can't remember what the figures were. Uh, so I went in um, and said, we need more money. We need more money. Um, and I was quite green at this point and um, probably was slightly intimidated by the fact he could kill me with his little finger. So I was doing it very politely. Um, but he was as nice as punch. And I remember he pulled out, he opened his drawer and he pulled this letter out, put it on the table, which was a letter from my boss who'd clearly forgotten about it, setting out that we were prepared to take the price that he'd offered and I was now being sent in to tell him it wasn't high enough. <laughs> so I literally went, it's a fair cop. <laughs> I think that offer will do very nicely and, and crawled off with my tail between my legs. Um, but of course, being, being that kind of person, he never mentioned it again. Whereas <laughs> I know certain people would have taken the piss out of me for the <laughs> next 20 years. So, so here we go. So it- in that situation, what was most effective in having you say it's a fair cop? Was it the fact that you knew this was someone who spoke well and was from, if you will, a posh background? Was it that they were a trained killer? Or was it just that they were well organised and had that piece of paper on hand? Well, I think there's such a thing as when you're in a hole, stop digging. Um, and, and this is a really serious point around negotiating. The number of people who aren't prepared to admit they've made a mistake because somehow it damages them um and i think that's just counterproductive because you both know you've made a mistake uh, so you're not gaining anything by pretending you didn't say something or you didn't do something far better to admit that mistake which helps sometimes mistakes will help build relationships far more effectively than um than carry on digging so at that point, I'd like to think that, that this gentleman thought, oh, he's actually quite a reasonable individual. And, and secondly, oh, he, he got dropped in this by his <laughs> boss. It was nothing to do with him. I'd rather deal with him than his boss next time. <laughs> and I think that goes back to that point around authenticity, doesn't it? When we kind of you know admit our mistakes, we are who we are, and we don't try and project um, to be something that 
that we're not. I, I wonder, have you at any point ever, ever either projected to be something or not, or felt some pressure to do so? Um, I don't think I've ever projected something I'm not, certainly not knowingly, although, as we've said before, we will all slightly adapt. And you can see that with with accents in that suddenly we, we start talking slightly <laughs> like the people who have got a strong accent when we're, we're in the room with them without even knowing about it. I think built within our DNA is this this uh, desire to be to be similar. Um I've certainly been put in positions, though, where I've I've been asked to do things I'm not comfortable doing, um, you know, particularly where you feel the thing. I always say, you know, my word is my bond and our, our personal brand is all we've got in this world. And once you lose that, particularly in an industry, then, you know, you you can have whatever job you want. If people don't take you seriously, you've lost that credibility and often you only need to make one mistake to lose that. So it's far more important being true to yourself and losing your job <laughs> than than doing something that may you may keep your job, but you, you destroy your own personal brand. So I have been asked to go back on things by superiors where I've agreed something and they say, oh, you can't can't agree this you've got to change it now there's time there's two ways of dealing with this and i've done this two different ways um one way i've when when it's been completely the wrong thing to do i have said to my boss or whoever i can't do that you know you you employed me to do this deal i've done the deal this is the best deal we're going to get um i'm not going to change it either you (laughs) either you go with it or you get someone else to do it um but there have been times where I feel actually I probably screwed up there um, where you then do have to go back to the other person with your tail between your legs a little bit. And again, honesty is the best thing. You just have, look, I've, I've screwed up here. Uh, how do we make it right? And I think people appreciate that far more than the, the, I've, I've dealt with people who just deny they even agreed it in the first. But I've had deals agreed and then been in the next meeting the person's denied that it was ever agreed and you don't forget you you both know you've agreed it um and this idea of well if i if i pretend i didn't it's just going to go away well i may not be able to hold you to that particular deal but it damages our relationship you know forevermore not just that whenever i speak to anybody else about that person within the industry it's going to be well I wouldn't trust them. They say one thing and then they they deny it. Uh, yeah, and actually, we, we obviously we started off talking about the image that people put project out of themselves. Um, but I think what is far more impactful is that whole piece around doing what you say you are going to do. I think in terms mm. of moving a any business relationship forward, the doing of that or the not doing of that, I think that's a far bigger impacts on the relationship than any of let's say the subtleties that we'll put out around how we speak dress act what we're interested in who we hang around with um, outside of work that's all important in terms of establishing a connection with people but then I think when we start interacting with someone and they either do what they say they're going to do or they don't then that trumps all of that it does but they are linked though aren't they so authenticity and integrity are linked um, because if you're not authentic 
you are kind of telling a bit of a lie about who you are. Now, it's not a big deal and everybody does it. And it's completely different to going back on a deal that you thought you'd done. But over time, you know, if you're if you lack authenticity in a number of different areas, then it just creates that image, rightly or wrongly, that you're not going to be reliable and you're you're telling a bit of a porky. So I'd rather you know be really upfront if that means I'm I look a bit scruffy or whatever. Um, so much the better. And and sometimes you can use that as a tool as well. If if you walk into that office at Ascot wearing your jeans and t-shirt assuming they even let you in <laughs> um they will um at least they know that you're you're all th- you are who you are you're not you've got no airs and graces or, or whatever just as a, just as an aside and this can't end up being a podcast title again at Ascot um in the royal enclosure you may know you're supposed to wear or you have to wear the morning suit and top hat and stuff mm-hmm. And I went to Ascot one year and I, I really don't want to wear this stuff. I don't like it very much. So I just went in a suit and tie, okay. which meant I wasn't allowed into the royal enclosure. Um, but one of the people there said, well, we want to give you the tour. Um, and we're in the parade. There was the parade ring where the horses go around. They said, well, come on, I'll just sneak you in. Nobody's going to mind um, that you're not in the top hat tails. And so I was in there. And who was staring at me from across across the uh, the parade ring was our dear Queen Elizabeth II, presumably muttering to an aide, who let that man in here? <laughs> so you met the Queen? I didn't meet the Queen. I got, I got the Queen stared daggers at me. That's as close as Did I ever got. Did she stare daggers at you? Yeah, because oh, wow. I was, wasn't wearing the right kit. So um, she might. I, I doubt whether authenticity was was top of her her mind at that point. Well, maybe she was authentically pissed off with you for, for think, riding roughshod all over the dress code. I think she though, probably though. was. Yeah, yeah. Um, perhaps she was. Perhaps she was. Do you know? It's interesting as we're talking about people being their authentic selves in a negotiation, and sometimes people try and project a certain image and they make a mess of it. Um, I'm wondering. You know, often how deliberate that is because look we started talking off about we started off talking about the, the very thorny issue um, of social class and people have an idea of themselves as being you know kind of a particular thing um, if, if I reflect on this certainly when I, when I was younger I wasn't really sure what social class I was you know and it, it, it seemed I think when you're younger it seems like it should be you know, important to you because well, I remember where I grew up. You know, I'd have had people, you know, perhaps think that I spoke well or think that I was a little bit posh. Mum and dad worked for for a bank, um, but then I went away to university, hung out with people who, you know, who'd been privately educated for the first time, and, and you know, some of them, you know, thought I was the, the biggest scally they'd, you know, they'd ever met in their in their life. And you know, as I I kind of you know got got older, I just sort of came to the conclusion that actually all of this stuff you know actually wasn't you know wasn't terribly important and actually moreover when I met people you know for whom it was and it was a big part of their personal brand that they were from this part of the country and therefore they were like that um I felt a bit sad because I I think if your 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 class or your where you're from if 
these are things that are the most interesting thing about you that you want to put out there things that actually you don't really have any control over i think that's a bit sad mm. yeah well it's 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 very interesting um so as we were talking earlier before we started this i i grew up overseas so i came back uh to university it was the first time i'd lived in the uk since i was 11 where when you're 11 you've got no concept to any of this um and i lived in australia in america where I wasn't really aware of the concepts of class to any great extent. Um, now, of course, there are social stratas in, in every country, but the, the, the whole concept of class, both those societies are all about, well, you can be what you want to be. And I was always taught about, well, if you want something and you work hard enough for it, you can get it. And I came back to the UK and I was, especially at university, where I was young, naive, and also there was a lot of people who like you say were defined by their background um i found it really odd that people kind of were saying well you can't be what you can be but these were people who were at university who'd obviously got to, got to that position with despite you know all the hurdles that they'd had to jump over and as you say half of them were probably fake anyway well, I think this is it. And university is a funny time because that's what, 18 to 21 years old for most people. And you're grasping for an identity at that point, aren't you? And so, you know, if you have, in your mind, come from a, a less advantaged background, a less advantageous background, and, you know, you might latch on to that, you know, more so as a way of differentiating yourself from those around you. And that's perhaps where the idea of your, your personal brand you know might start out I, I think if we wind the clock on a few years and we think about the kind of commercial negotiations you and I you know kind of would have you know would have had it's almost that kind of doing that in quite a toxic way you, you kind of hope most people have that out of their system by a certain point as they get out in the world and experience working with different types of people and, and hopefully learn that if they allow their sort of authentic self out, whatever that may be in terms of your interests, pastimes, who you hang around with, that actually that, that just makes for a more comfortable way of living. And, you know, in terms of it's always going to be to your advantage to be who you are rather than try and put an image out there. You can overthink it. For sure, for sure. If you're spending all your time trying to be something you're not, how can you possibly be concentrating on... Um, what the other person is saying and and how you're going to um you know improve the deal it's a bit like almost being a, a faux working class negotiator is a bit like being a faux is a very posh word of course it's a bit like um the alpha males that we talked about it's all about me rather than um than what we can do working together yeah, and, and there's there's a huge overlap, I think, you know, with what we talked about in the Alpha Male Behaviours podcast. And actually, you know, people who use the region they're from or, the, you know, they'll say things that imply that they were from a, you know, a tough working class background. Um, whether that's, that's true or not, you know, I've seen that a lot, that kind of overlap that, you know, someone who wants me to think that maybe they got in a few fights, a few scrapes when they were younger, this kind of thing, and therefore that I should be prepared for tough behaviours when I'm negotiating a contract with them, which when you think about it is deeply, you know, it's deeply silly and it, it does project insecurity and yeah, I, I don't think it's ever a good thing, but I think about your example, you know, of the trained killer, 
you know kind of who you did it um did a deal with who was who was tremendously from the sounds of it tremendously measured and his his real power was actually in just being well organized and well documented and, and having something on file from your boss which actually is far more impressive than um than any of that aggressive stuff or what social class they would have happened to have been for sure for sure well, I think on that, I think that nicely wraps up today's podcast. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. Awesome. Thank you, David. Mm-hmm.